I won't get fully done up again, but okay. So it is the, it is the 3rd and the 17th. Hi there, Pastor John here. I just wanted to do a quick introduction before the podcast to tell you about a mistake I made. Uh, I, in the podcast, will say that uh, we are doing communion on Zoom the 3rd and the 10th of May. That is incorrect. Our two dates for Zoom communion will be May the 3rd and May the 17th. Again, we will be having Zoom communion May the 3rd and May the 17th. And if you're interested in joining us for that, please contact the church or myself. Thank you. Good morning, and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City podcast. In order to love our neighbors and to protect our church members at a time when the awful coronavirus is sweeping through our cities, our states, our nation, and our world, we have decided to suspend in-person worship services for the time being, and instead we will be worshiping together via podcast. Uh, It is not ideal when we cannot see each other because we, as followers of Jesus, get a lot of encouragement from meeting together. But nonetheless, because of the death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ, there is nowhere that Jesus isn't Lord. And so as you listen to this this morning, as we sing, as we pray, as we proclaim the word of God, And this morning as we celebrate the Lord's table together, I pray that you would have a sense that you are in the presence of Christ right now. I wanted to call attention to one other thing that's going on in the life of First Baptist Church of Oregon City. We've started a month-long prayer initiative called Pray for Pentecost. Pentecost is May 31st, and it is the day, this year it is May 31st, And it is the day that we recognize and remember, uh, just as in Acts chapter 2, that the Holy Spirit filled the disciples and that the church came to be a thing in existence. And we still celebrate that today. Uh, To First Baptist Church of Oregon City members, there has been an email that has gone out and paperwork should be arriving in your mailboxes uh, shortly that tell you more about that. And there's, there's a few different ways that we can be praying for each other, that we can be praying for our world, and that we can be praying for a fresh outpouring uh, of the Holy Spirit in Oregon City. Uh, we are grateful that you are worshiping with us this morning, uh, and we pray that this finds you healthy, well, and realizing that you are not alone but that you are a part of the body of Christ in this world. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Dear Lord, we bow before you, and we come to worship you again, not in a church building, but in our homes. And isn't it wonderful that we can worship you anywhere that we're at? And be with us today 
during this service as we worship you and we praise your name. And Lord, I pray for those in our congregation who are ill, those who are having tests or those who are having treatments, those who are scheduled to have surgery in the near future, and those who have other difficulties and trials in their life. And Lord, I ask that you be with them and that they would look to you in their time of need. And Lord, that they would feel you and they would feel that you are right beside them and you are walking with them every step of the way. And Lord, I pray for our young church and I pray for Melissa and Pastor John as they lead the group. And Lord, there is one member of the young church who is going through a very difficult time right now. And I ask, Lord, that she would look to you during her time of trouble and that you would be with her and you would be right beside her and that you would be with her caregivers too as they help to treat her for this um, problem that she has. And Lord, I pray for our pastor, John, as he's leading this church. It's difficult times now since we can't meet in a church building, but uh, I ask that the Holy Spirit be with him and together with the Holy Spirit himself and some others that we will chart a course for this church in the future. And Lord, I pray for our hope program. And it's a wonderful thing that we can still feed the hungry in our community. And I pray for all the volunteers that come to help to prepare the boxes of food to the people that are hungry. And Lord, I ask that you be with Bob and Janet Rays as they lead the program. They're doing a, a good job and we're able to meet the needs of the people in our community who need food. And Lord, I pray for the leaders of our country and I ask that you be with them as they make these decisions on when to reopen. And I ask that the decisions are made with the people in mind, the people that they were elected to, um, uh, to represent. And, um, and I ask that they keep their, their um, selfish uh, in, um, intents out of it. And Lord, I pray for our service today. Be with our pastor as he brings the message. Open our ears and open our hearts that we can receive the words of this message, a message of hope for these dark times that we live in. And in your precious name I pray, amen. I'd like to invite you to turn in your scriptures now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we will be looking at verses 1 through 11. There are some chapters in the Bible that have a bit heftier weight that contain ideas and teachings that we need to maybe chew a little bit more slowly on. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is one of those. And so we'll be in, in this, uh, this chapter of the Bible for a couple of weeks here now. So here is 
1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Let me remind you now, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what also had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the fictitious town of Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, Garrison Keillor's radio and literary creation, every Groundhog's Day, the Sons of Canute drag old Mr. Berge's 1949 Ford out onto the ice. They attach a chain around the chassis and attach the other end of the chain uh, to something heavy, and they leave it out there. And you can go and you can put down a $1 wager on when the Ford is going to go through the ice. And all of the proceeds go to the... uh, go to the Sons of Canute Rising Stars Scholarship Program, and the winner receives a new outboard motor. And so there are times that are, are safer to pick than others. The last week of March is a, is a safe bet, so are the first couple of weeks of April, except for the one year that they accidentally put the Ford over the sandbar, and it sunk down about four inches and never really went through, uh, never really sank, and so the scholarship fund got to keep a lot of its money that year. But I want to talk about this idea of the car going through the ice because it means that there's something that's changed. You see, in in northern climates, you may have a a lake, or even around here perhaps, um, you may have a lake that's got some ice on it in the wintertime. Obviously, the farther the north you are, the thicker the ice is. And at some point, though, the ice melts. Something shifts. No longer can you go ice fishing. No longer can you go ice skating. No longer is it safe to treat the frozen lake as just another walkway or roadway because that car goes through the ice. And in some ways, I'd like to submit this morning that the resurrection of Jesus is like a car going through the ice in our world. It was something that was hoped for and longed for 
for a very long time, although not quite in the way that it happened. The resurrection of Jesus was something that, that was unexpected. No one quite knew when it was going to be coming. Jesus did. But yet it came in and it changed everything. And this is where our analogy stops, because for most people, a 1949 Ford crashing through a fictional lake doesn't really change everything. But when we read what Paul is writing, the Apostle Paul has written this letter to the Corinthians, and if you read the the chapters before, there are some contentious moments. The Corinthians are, are not what you would gather from the letter to be a real easygoing bunch. They've got some questions. They've got some disagreements. They've got some kind of infighting and issues. But Paul comes back around at the end, the the next to last chapter of this great book of Scripture, and he comes back around at the end to point out this thing that has fundamentally changed in our world. We don't know exactly how the Corinthians were approaching the resurrection. We've got some ideas uh, that we see later on in the chapter of how they were struggling with this idea of the resurrection. But I also want to think about how we approach the resurrection. Sometimes we think about the death and the resurrection of Jesus, and we think about the death more than the resurrection. We think about the resurrection as a, as a nice happy ending that's tagged on to the story of Good Friday. But we focus on the death of Jesus and not so much the resurrection. And there are a few different reasons for that. One of them might be that the death of Jesus is a big deal. And we absolutely should spend a lot of time thinking about it. We should spend time considering it and spend time thinking about what it means for us now and all the rich imagery and the the variety of imagery that goes along with the death of Jesus. But sometimes we focus on the death of Jesus and the whole part of, of Jesus dying for our sins Because sometimes we like to bear this feeling of guilt. Sometimes we, we relish this, this feeling that we are such sinners that Christ had to die for us. And that's not inaccurate. But sometimes it can lead to the gospel being about behavior management, or sin management. And that's why we need the resurrection. Because through the resurrection, God is doing something new. God is doing something unexpected. And through the resurrection, the death and the resurrection, we are all invited to be a part of it. When we reduce the gospel to sin management, 
or when we reduce the power of the resurrection to just being something that propels us, if we believe it, into the afterlife, then we've essentially neutered the power of God to do anything in our world. Because the resurrection is not supposed to be a minor event. In the ancient Jewish eyes, the resurrection was something that was going to happen at one point in history where all of the dead who, belong, who were of God's people would rise all at one moment. And so for one Jewish man to rise from the dead was a very big deal and was something unexpected indeed. The resurrection is something that was unheard of in our world. So when we think about how to put the resurrection in proper perspective, we have to consider that something new is not just happening in our world, but it is happening in us. That this is not, the resurrection is not an event that came out of nowhere. Because when we read Paul, Paul says several different times, just as the scriptures had said, or in different translations, it says, in accordance to the scriptures. So there's something bigger that has been going on that the resurrection is a direct result of and comes in the line of. But Paul also, in this passage, indicates that for him, this resurrection of Jesus is something that has fueled his entire life since meeting with Jesus. That he met the resurrected Jesus. And of course, he has his own unique story about how he met Jesus. But he met Jesus and nothing else was the same for him. For somebody like Paul, who had the pedigree that Paul did, Paul was a rising star in the world of the Pharisees. And for somebody to have all of the advantages, all of the, uh, all of the wisdom, and all of the zeal that Paul did, finding out that, that God wanted us to behave a little bit differently would not have turned his life around. But the resurrected Christ did. And what he's telling to the Corinthians about the resurrection is very important because the resurrection is not just something for us to believe and hold on to. It is a reality that we live from. The resurrection connects us to the old stories. If you go back in the Old Testament, you see images of Jesus throughout the whole thing. On the Emmaus Road, Jesus told uh, Cleopas and, and Mary that, oh, here are all of the things that reference the Messiah. They didn't know that it was Jesus, but it was. 
we think about Moses leading God's people out of bondage and walking through the Red Sea, which anytime you run into water in the, the Old Testament, it, it represents chaos, it represents the unknown. And here's Moses who, through God, makes a way for the Israelites to walk across on dry land. And in the resurrection of Jesus, we see, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we see Jesus making a new way for God's people to enter a new world. A new world where God is king, where Jesus is Lord, and that the powers of evil and darkness no longer have a foothold. We look at David, the conquering king, We look at David who united Israel. We look at David who who led the Ark of the Covenant, who led the presence of God into the temple. And we see flashes of Jesus again. We see Jesus going into Jerusalem on a donkey. We see Jesus being the, the king who was promised. We see Jesus being God's own son being born into our world, and being hailed as king. But the moment that he was hailed as king was when they attached the label to the top of the cross. We even see the exile. The exile was when, because of their sins and their idolatry, uh, God's people were carried off into foreign lands, namely Babylon, and after a period of being there, they, most of them were allowed to come back and went back to, to Israel. And when we think about Jesus in the exile, we see that Jesus is returning God's people to where they ought to be. But that Jesus isn't just limiting it to the exiles from Israel and Judah. It's the exiles of all of us. That all of us who have wandered and strayed and who have been led away by captivity to sin, by captivity to idolatry, we all have a way back to God now. And so the resurrection connects us with these old stories. And when it connects us with these old stories, these old stories were all a part of God's people who were known as Israel. And now through the resurrection, we have a place in God's family because that's what God was doing. God had created a family for himself. And through Jesus, anyone who believes in Jesus and who follows Jesus and who has taken this death and resurrection into their own body is part of God's family. We are part of this ongoing story that the resurrection is the grand climax of. And it unites us as a people of the resurrection. Because anybody who belongs to Jesus has to be a person of the resurrection. And as Paul lists off the people who got to see the resurrected Christ, 
there's lots of people. He names a few specifically, Peter, James, himself, the 12. And then he adds in more than 500 followers. And furthermore, he says, you don't have to take my word for it. Most of whom are still alive. Some aren't, but most of them are alive. Go talk to them. They'll tell you about the resurrected Jesus. These are resurrection people. And whether you're a member of First Baptist Church or St. Paul's Episcopal next door or any of the churches here in Oregon City or around the country or around the world, if you are a person who follows Jesus through death and into resurrection, you are a member of the resurrection people. You're not alone. And I know loneliness, especially right now at this point in the history of humanity, is a problem. I know that even people who, who are, are married and, and living under the same roof are struggling with loneliness. I know people who are, are single and live alone struggle with loneliness. Because we are at a point where it is safest for us as a, a group of people and the most caring thing that we can do for the vulnerable in our society is to stay indoors. And sometimes that means being alone. But if we're resurrection people, if we're followers of Jesus, we're not alone. Nothing can really make up for physical, face-to-face -face contact. But as we pray, as we reach out to our brothers and sisters in Christ in our own churches, I hope and pray that, that brothers and sisters in Christ in other churches are reaching out within, within themselves and that we would have known people already who are, are our brothers and sisters in Christ and we can be keeping in touch with these people and continuing to encourage each other and lift each other up. Because we are resurrection people. We don't live in darkness, we live in light. We have passed through darkness to get to this point. But now we live in the light of new life in Jesus. The resurrection also changes the way we understand life now. Because what we know now is that sin, death, brokenness of this world is not the last word. What we know now through the resurrection is the victory of God in Jesus Christ. And if God is victorious through Jesus, if God is victorious through the resurrection, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, there is nothing greater than the power of God. And we can live this out day to day. And we don't just live it out in a spiritual sense. 
Because if the resurrection was just a spiritual thing, then okay, it would, just be, it would be all right for this to just be a nice experience that I'm having in myself. But the resurrection was a physical resurrection. As Melissa talked about last week, Jesus ate fish. Jesus showed the disciples the scars in his hands and in his side and in his feet. He invited them to touch him and see that he was not a ghost. This was a bodily resurrection that happened, which means that we cannot dismiss this created world that God has made. If the resurrection were solely about getting us all to heaven, then that's where we would have ended up once we believed. But God created this world, and he cares about this world. And after God raised Jesus from the dead, Jesus came back to this world, physically. And if this is what Jesus did, and if Jesus spent all of his time talking about how we ought to live, then we have to understand that the resurrection says that there is something new going on in this world, that there is a new way to live and a new way to be human. We haven't always understood this. Before we, we would understand God darkly sometimes, we didn't always have a great, the greatest view, or sometimes we would get, get God mixed up with, with some of the attributes of pagan gods. Sometimes we would think that God demanded a sacrifice or, or, or that he would be cross with us. And sometimes we thought that if we, if we had done wrong and then something went wrong in our lives, that God was punishing us for what we had done. But through Jesus, we know who God is. That we know God is the one who suffers with those who suffer, who weeps with those who mourn, who dies with those who are dying, but who rises to everlasting life. And if this is the God that we believe in that brings life out of darkness, then that's what we as resurrection people do, is we bring light and life into the darkness and from the darkness. It means that we can't be satisfied to shrug our hands and say, well, I guess things are just going to keep getting worse, aren't they? No. Because we have been called to a resurrection. We have been called to be resurrection people. We have called to be people who see the darkness that's gathering in our world and in our hearts and in in our cities and our towns and our neighborhoods and to say, Jesus is Lord, how do we acknowledge this? Jesus is Lord, how do we bring light? Jesus is Lord, how do we bring healing? How do we bring new life into these decaying or dead places? And Christians have answered that call in 
so many different ways over the course of, of our history. They started hospitals and schools, and in times of, of sickness and disease and plague, they were the people who cared. They were the people who took care of others. Christians were the ones who <clears throat> Christians were the ones who would, would try to cross cultural barriers. The gospel calls us to see men, women, children, all as part of God's family, and all as having equal value to God. And so now it's our time. Now it's our time to consider what does it mean to be resurrection people? What does it mean to bring new life? Well, I think we look at the places that are very clearly dark and we bring the light of Jesus to them. We look at places where Discrimination still happens on the basis of skin color. And we say, no, we can't allow that to happen. We look at places where, where people struggle with addiction and hope and resources are on short supply. And we as followers of Jesus say, how can we help? We look at people who are lonely, who are even more isolated than the rest of us right now. We pick up the phone, and we give them a call, and we say, how are you doing today? How can I encourage you? Because we are resurrection people. And resurrection people don't give up so easily. Because what we know as resurrection people is though we may die at some point on earth, that we will be a part of the age to come. And all of these things that we have worked for in the name of being resurrection people, we'll get to see them brought to completion by Jesus Christ. That's the good news that we live. That's the good news that we proclaim. And that's good news for planet Earth. Don't 
give up now the sun will soon be shining you gotta face the clouds to find the silver lining i've seen dreams that move the mountains hope that doesn't ever end even when the sky is Broken hearts become brand new. That's what faith can do. It doesn't matter what you've heard. Impossible is not a word. It's just a reason for someone not to try. Everybody's scared to death when they decide to take step out on the water but it'll be all right life is so much more than what your eyes are seeing you will find your way if you keep believing i've seen dreams that move the mountains hope that doesn't ever end even when the sky Broken hearts become brand new. That's what faith can do. Overcome the odds when you don't have a chance. When the world says you can't, it'll tell you that you can. I've seen dreams that move the mountains. Hope that does. come now to the time of the Lord's table. It is unusual in this time of physical distancing, but yet we still come to this table because it is the table that is prepared for us by our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, First Baptist Church of Oregon City has a uh, Zoom communion set up for Sunday mornings at 1130. Uh, That will be May the 3rd and May the 10th. And so if you are planning on joining that Zoom video call, uh, there's there's no need for you to to go ahead with with communion right now during the podcast. Um, If you want to continue to listen and and hear the, the familiar words, uh, you may, and be reminded. Um, but if you are 
not able to join us on the Zoom call or you're listening to this at a different time, then we welcome you now to get bread and juice or crackers and water or Oreos and milk and, and join us at the table set for us by the Lord. As I said, we are resurrection people. And we are, we are people who live in the resurrection, but yet we don't forget how we got to this resurrection. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread. The night he was betrayed. This resurrection ends, began with Jesus' betrayal. It began with Peter denying he ever knew Jesus. It began with Jesus' death. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Whenever we take the bread and the cup, we remember that, yes, we know the rest of the story. But we don't forget that the victory of God was won through the death of Jesus. And so as we take this bread, the broken body of Jesus, we remember what it cost our Lord to die on the cross. Take and eat. And as we take this cup, Jesus said this cup was a new covenant in his blood that all who entered the covenant who pass with Jesus through death and into resurrection are part of his family, are part of his kingdom. And so take and drink this cup of the new covenant. And then we remember the words of the Apostle Paul. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This is a moment that we remember, but that we also look forward. Because the story is, of salvation is still being written in our time. And we look forward to the age to come. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning as we have as we have sung and prayed and heard scripture proclaimed, we are grateful that you are joining along with us, that in our absence of body, that we are doing the best that we can, and that we are all uh, trying to protect and care for the vulnerable right now, um, the vulnerable who are very close to the heart of Jesus. And so we'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our director of music and youth, 
for the music this morning. We'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer. We'd like to thank Gary Hunley, our audio engineer, and his wife, Doreen, our assistant audio engineer slash button pusher. And we'd like to thank Katie Witham for moral support and coffee provisions. Remember that Pray for Pentecost is a thing that's going on. That Pray for Pentecost is a thing that's going on right now. And uh, in our church, we are happy to be praying for each other. And if you have any questions about that, please contact the church office. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, and wash your hands.